Sixer Nation. What is good? I see you on the chat, man. Building the suspension is right. You wouldn't even believe what it's like trying to run this show, man. <laughs> we are live on two shows, man. Philly Take with RB, Run It Back Philly, simulcasted at your leisure. The duo is back. We have some things to say about Doc Rivers, about Joel and B, James Harden, and the Sixers, who have started out the season one and four. It's been a tumultuous start for a team with tons of expectations. And uh, we are going to break it all down, man. Hit the like button right now for the grind, man. I mean, we just spent 20 minutes trying to get the technicalities worked out. We're doing our best here. Let us know. Drop a mic check in the chat. Drop a one if we, if we sound good. Let us know. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching right now. Hit the bell as well. Once again, Philly Take with RB. Run it back, Philly. I'm RB. That's DJ Eastwood. And uh, we're not too happy about the Sixers team right now. We're going to break it all down. We'll talk about what happened yesterday, the upcoming games, and a uh, little bit of rumors going on today. Is Doc Rivers on the hot seat? DJ, what's going on, my guy? I hope he is, man. I hope he is. Uh, you know, how much longer is it going to take? You know, uh, I made a joke before the season started that we're going to go 1-10 and ten and fire Doc Rivers. I was completely joking. I did not expect this team to look like this uh this at this stage of the season. So um yeah, it's been surprising. Uh it's been disappointing, it's been annoying, it's been frustrating. Uh that's how I'm doing, man. And I'm still <laughs> trying to update the thumbnail on this on the stream. <laughs> If you guys, if you guys don't know what's going on, the reason it took us so long, by the way, is because we we set up an entire live stream where, again, we're simulcasting here on two different channels. So wherever you're hit, wherever you're watching, hit the like button. Uh, and, and we started the stream using a software, and it it creates an entire new stream. So the one that we set up is still scheduled and, and ready to go, but it just started a completely new one. We had a bunch of people waiting in there. They're probably still in the waiting room. They are. They're There's probably still people waiting. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably still in the waiting room. Meanwhile, we're live, man. We're live. So again, hit that like button, push this content around. Uh, but getting on topic, man, like you said, I I'm frustrated. I just, I, I don't know what's going on with this team. And really, I haven't had a chance to even talk or think about this all day. So I'm ready to rant. I'm ready to rant. We'll start off with yesterday. You know, I was thinking about doing one of my typical breakdown shows, you know, going through, looking at film. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. The last couple games, with the exception of the Indiana Pacers game, the film should be burned. Okay, I mean, it, I have not seen something so disgraceful by this team, and especially with their expectations. You know, yesterday they come out, and how many times did I see a backdoor cut lead to an easy layup? How many times did I see a wide-open three? It was just terrible. It was terrible. And, you know, Instead of going and looking at all this film, all right, I just want to pull up one play if that is okay. And just, I just want to go through one play, just one play that to me defines not only the game yesterday, but the entire season thus far. Okay. And I, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to hear your thoughts on this because this is uh, just absolutely disgraceful in my opinion. Okay. So I found this video on Twitter. Shout out to uh, Tiago, PHO, puts this up 17 seconds of a Doc Rivers-led offense. 
So I, I want to talk about this right now. All right, let, let's just go through and watch this play. It's 17 seconds, and let's watch what happens. So you have James Harden up top. You have Tyrese Maxey, who's going to set the initial screen. Joel Embiid is over there, just, you know, beyond the perimeter by five feet. Doesn't really know what he's doing, okay? So James Harden, on Fred Van Vliet, by the way. He's going to dish it off to Maxey. Now look at the placement of the Sixers. Look at where everybody's at. Maxey. Now guarded by oh. Siakam. Can you stop one second? Can you stop one second? How much time is on the uh, shot clock right there? I can't see it. Can you see that? I can't see it either. I can't I see it. I specifically remember this. They ran a, a little bit of a guard screen at the top, and, the, and James got a switch. Yeah. Van Vliet came over, and he gave it back to Maxi with Siakam on him, which uh, we're talking right. about Doc Rivers' offense, but I don't understand why James didn't want to take Van Vliet one-on-one right there. I was so mad about this. And, and anyway. here's my issue. Look, look, look at where Joel Embiid is standing at. Look at where Joel is standing at. We've had this happen too many times. But anyway, Maxi has it. He's thinking, and, and the shot clock's winding down. Now there's about a few seconds left. He goes to step back, and he realizes that Siakam is right in his face. He's going to smack it into the third row. So Maxi, with two seconds on the shot clock, decides to pass it up. James Harden's like, what? The ball's coming back to me with, with a second and a half to go? Meanwhile, Joel Embiid's calling for the ball on the opposite wing. Do you get the theme here? Do you get the common theme? What is this? What is going on on this play? How is this the offense that you have created with Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Joel Embiid along with guys who can hopefully knock down shots like Tobias Harris and uh, Melton was on the floor, but even P.J. Tucker. My point, and what I've been stressing, D.J., for the first five games of this season, this team has absolutely no identity. I'm at the point no. where I think Doc Rivers just says, go out there, throw it against the wall, and see if it sticks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm being serious. I do not see an identity. How does this happen? And James Harden just has to flail it up. And actually, and I and I stopped that too. And I'm not I'm not bailing out James here because that you know, but because with with a second left on the shot clock, they're probably not going to give you that. But if you really watch it, he did hack him across both arms, and James was just like, "Yo, what the, you know what I mean?" But so no, it he, was a foul technically if you're really watching in slow motion. But he did. But, but yeah, I, I, that was James trying to bait because he had one second left, and he was like, "Let me see if I can get for sure. a call foul right here." For sure, I have no problem with James Harden doing that, but. He shouldn't have he even had the ball with a second and a half to go, and then he has to flail it up. But, like, what, what are we doing? What, what is the idea? That's the only play I want to look at from this game because it, it just burned my eyes. But why, why are the guys positioned like this? Like, how, as a coach, do you, is this what you're running with 345 to go in the game? You're down by seven. This is a key possession in the game. And, and that is what you draw up? No, he didn't draw it up. He didn't draw it up. He said, go out there and see what happens see what happens yeah yeah uh, uh you're the one that tweeted it because i uh, remember i was hitting you up last night i couldn't find the doc rivers press conference because i wanted to react to that that would have been youtube gold uh i couldn't find it anywhere I found nick nurse's press conference on on nba league pass i found everything except for doc rivers press conference anyway you're the one that tweeted that doc rivers said this offense would be so good if they just played right that statement right there blows my mind because it's like the guy doesn't even realize that he's the coach of the team. And then when you see a play like this and you look at two guys over here and Joel on the other side, and you realize they're all three on different pages, none of them are doing the same thing. None of them are working together. There's not, 
it then and then you you take into account what he said, it starts to show on the court that I don't think he coaches at all. I literally think because the way that he talked about that, this offense would look so good if they just played right. So he just yeah, he just puts the ball on the court and says, Go, go yeah. play. Yeah. And then he's like, Oh, they're not playing right. Well, what yeah. is it's your job to get them to play right? It's unbelievable. What? It's unbelievable. Yeah, the, here's the quote. I, I literally tweeted it out because I couldn't believe it upon first hearing of it. Quote, it could be such a better offense if we just played right. How do you say that? How do you say that as a coach? I mean, this team is one in four after five games. I don't think we ever thought they would be one in three, one in four, right? And, and they come out, and it's not even the fact that we've lost four games. It's how we have lost the games. You lose to the tanking Spurs you come out, you lose to the shorthanded Bucks. Yeah, the Celtics put up a good fight, and, and so did we, but we still probably had that game potentially in hand as well. And then we go ahead and we lose to the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, uh, are not nearly as talented as the Philadelphia 76ers. But the fact of the matter is they play basketball the right way. They're in every spot at the right time. I said this last night on my show. It like Playing the Raptors feels like you're in a room with a bunch of hot air and you can't breathe. They're always up on you. They bring doubles. You have nowhere to go, and we just we take the pressure. And this is a team we just beat last year in the playoffs, and they came out, and of course Doc Rivers in the, in the postgame pressure says, oh, well, they had a bunch of motivation because we beat them in the playoffs. Come on, man. We're the better team. We're the better team. He and said that I'm too. I'm frustrated. He he said that too. He said a lot. I got I gotta find this press conference, man. That's unreal. The things that he's saying, and you know, I I the things that he said last year blew my mind. Like Brett Brown, I didn't think it was a good coach, X's and O's wise. I didn't think he really knew what what, what he was doing. I didn't really think he knew how to handle an NBA team on the floor. But he didn't get up there and say like completely asinine things in press conferences. He would get up there and say we weren't good tonight. I need to be better. I need to get my guys to be better. He would even say, oh, I challenge Ben Simmons to shoot a three next game, whatever. He, yeah. he, he was like humble. Uh, yeah. uh, this doc rivers thing, man, this guy's on a, on his own mountaintop. Like this guy thinks he is the king of Kings when it comes to NBA coaches to the point where he thinks, I think he thinks that players are supposed to show up and know how to play together. And you know, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's coming off to me as like an, like an honor system. Like play, I'm a legendary coach, and players have to honor me by showing up and playing well. I, I I'm, I'm at a loss for words with this guy, man. I thought yeah. he was crazy last year. He's taking it to a new level every single day. Every single day, he's taking it to a new level. It's crazy. It really I, is. I don't even know what else to say about him. Yeah, it really is. Shout out to a uh, babyface hand with the two dollar super chat. Thank you very much. Says, who would we hire when Doc Rivers gets fired? Well, that's an interesting question. You probably would promote from within if I had to guess, but you know, you have a couple options there waiting, right? Kind of next in line for the job. And and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is now we start hearing whispers. Now we start hearing whispers. So I go on Twitter midday and this is what I see. This is what I see. NBA Central and a bunch of other uh, you know, <laughs> Twitter pages putting this out, report. Doc Rivers' future with the Philadelphia 76ers is, quote, up in the air. Now, I went and checked this out, and essentially it was Bill Simmons who, you know, says a lot of <laughs> things around the map. It's pretty much saying that there are NBA sources who have said that at this point, if the Sixers don't come out and look better, you know, Doc Rivers might not have a future here for a lot longer. 
And, you know, we are five games into a season. Do I think things will click better eventually? Yes, I do. Do I think these players will step up? Because make no mistake, the players don't get an excuse either. I've been seeing bad body language at points from Joel Embiid. Maxie mm-hmm. sometimes just kind of takes it off the gas pedal. Even Harden at points, right, kind of gets way, you know, too, I'm not going to say selfish, but really just, you know, over aggressive with the ball, right? He just holds it for five, six, seven possessions, 20 seconds into the shot clock. Now he has played well, and I'm not taking that away from him. All I'm saying is that I feel like these guys don't know their roles and they don't look as interested. And you come out in this season, you're one and four. I mean, we're, we're talking about not being too far away from a point where this could really go downhill. Like this ship could sink if we don't get this on the right track. And it's frustrating, man. Yeah, look, there, there's there's people that, you know, there's someone in the chat right now. At first, it was Brett Brown's fault. Now it's Doc's fault. Uh, there's, there's certain people that don't want to, for whatever reason, don't want to blame the coach. But when you see the things that you're seeing on the court, and I said this a couple of times on my show now, but I'll say it again. When you do the process of elimination, and what you keep landing on is lack of hustle, lack of effort, communication on defense these are repetition things these are repetition things these are things that other teams are good at because they worked on it over and over and over and over and over again they knew what guy was supposed to slide where when the when the offense shows what look with this guy cutting back door and so and so we see we saw this so many times in four games where Somebody cuts back door. Somebody thinks they're supposed to be watching the ball or something. And then nobody knows where the guy went. Just wide open back door cuts. And uh, there goes my camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing great so far with the technology today. Loving it, man. Um, We'll be back in a minute. We should be back. There we go. Uh, Yeah. You, you, in four games, you've seen so many backdoor cuts, so much miscommunication on defense. And to me, that's repetition, and that happens in practice. I don't think this team practices. I don't know what they do in practice. It doesn't seem like they work on things in repetition to perfect them. It just seems like they go through drills. They do shooting drills. They 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 do the normal NBA drills, whatever it is. And then they say, all right, game's on Tuesday night. See you there. And they show up, and they're completely out of sync and, and slow like decision-making communication reaction time. Uh, it's just, it, but anyway, all of those things, effort communication, all those things come back to coaching. How are we, how are some people refusing to blame the coach for these things? You can blame the players all you want. They, the, it's the players too. They're showing, uh, you know, like you said, bad body language, lack of effort, lack of hustle, but the miscommunication and the transition defense and all that stuff, it has to be on the coach, man. It's the common denominator here. How how else would you have the worst transition defense in a league three years in a row? How else? Yeah. Like, I, it's insane. You have the worst transition defense right now in the NBA by a large margin, they they said on, on, on stat moves or something. So yeah. it's not even close right now. There, there's just so much I can say right now. You know, first and foremost, when Doc Rivers came out, actually, let me take a step back. After every single game this season, what you just echoed about the communication, I have said after every game, there is no defensive communication. I mean, a couple games ago, Paul Reed and George Niang are trying to rip each other for a rebound, and it ends up bouncing to the other team, and they, and they start screaming at each other. How did those things happen with a professional team that has expectations? I will never know. Um, but when Doc Rivers came out after the second game of the year, 
against the Milwaukee Bucks, and he said, we are not ready to win. That really, really rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm starting to see it. You know, we're not ready to win because what, what did we do all offseason? This was the offseason where you finally have a chance to bring the guys together, get that chemistry going, establish a foundation, and create an identity. And what did you do all offseason? We saw you magnified on the NBA highlighted practice and training camp. It, you know, it looked like you were talking. Honestly, I don't think they were. I don't think they no. were. How do you come out after a second game of the year and say, we're not ready to win? And even last night, he said, we can't sneak out wins until we're playing the right way. I mean, we are the better team. And another thing that's really getting on my nerves is the, well, you know, what's going on with the guys that we got? You know, we don't have enough talent. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. DJ just said it. When you go year after year after year, we're talking about a team that was inches away from the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times, and that was with the guy who would not play the offensive side of the game. And now you go and you address the needs that we obviously had in the playoffs. The way we're playing right now is the way we ended off last season. We looked like we didn't care. We, we just flopped on our home floor, and you went out and got better. You added more pieces. You added the dog type of players, and here's how I know it's the coach. There is absolutely no way P.J. Tucker looks like this. There is no way he looks like this. <laughs> I watched him last year in Miami. I watched him in Houston. He's not this bad. What is going on right now? I'm, it, it has to be a philosophy thing because how come all the players we get and bring to Philadelphia just lose their talent all of a, all of a sudden? It, it, it can't be every single guy. And there, there's something going on. It's not all on Doc, but it has to start there. But when you set the tone that, oh, we're not ready to win, then you're, you're, I can see that energy, that attitude reflecting upon the play right now. And it's as clear as day to me. And if you don't come out better, well, something might have to happen. Yeah, when, it, when he says we're not ready to win, that's crazy because not only the NBA TV mic'd up practice BS, you know, that was like a, uh, now that I think about it, that was like a VH1 reality show. Like, cool. Hey, guys, you know, it was probably completely staged from behind the camera. Hey, you're going to, you're going to walk up and say this to the guys. And uh, like, I'm, I'm, uh, the more I see this, the more I'm not buying anything that happened in that practice. I think there was more movement on offense in that practice on NBA TV Let's than we on the court in the NBA so far. Um, I want to know what, the heck you guys did in North Carolina or South Carolina. Like you, you also, they also blew that up in the off season. You know, they also made sure the media knew the Sixers are going to South Carolina for training camp. And we're, you know, we're, uh, I don't know what that, like, what'd you guys, did you play basketball down there or did you go fishing? Like it did, you know, <laughs> chemistry, but we need you to, we need you to build chemistry, like with a basketball on a basketball court. You know, I don't know if you guys just went out to dinner and then went fishing and then hung out in nightclubs. Yeah, that's chemistry, like as far as personal relationships, but we need you to, uh, you know, play basketball better. So I don't know what they did in South Carolina. They came back, the season starts, and he says, we're not ready to win. It's absolutely ridiculous. You're seeing teams that just added brand new players. The New York Knicks are three and one. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't look this bad. There's plenty of teams that added new players that look ready to win, and this team doesn't, and it, it – I don't know what they did all off season. I don't know yeah. what they do in practice. They're one and four. Uh, and then speaking of, of the roster too, we added things that we thought we needed to add. Daryl Morey added things that he thought he needed to add. I know, you know, some people say that he added the, 
the has been Houston Rockets, or he added a, a more older, slower players that that's why we're not we keep getting out rebounded and, and we're bad at transition defense. Uh, and that's an opinion that 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 people have. But um, the way I look at it is, last year we beat the Raptors in the playoffs without PJ Tucker, Montrez Harrell, yep. Daniel House, uh, DeAnthony Melton. Joel Embiid got injured. We still had a chance to beat the Miami Heat mm-hmm. with Paul Reed and Matisse Thybul. So you added these four new players, and you're actually worse than you were by playing Paul Reed and Matisse Thybul off the bench. And, and, and if so I could just like, go ahead. And if I could just add right there on that point, and if 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 I would have told you right before the season that we would be getting this level of James Harden, along with all that, along with the additions. And, and I and you and you told me we're one and four. I mean, I I just couldn't believe that. Like maybe we didn't need to add anything. Maybe we just needed James Harden to get back into shape, Tyrese Maxey to another step, and Joel Embiid to be healthy. And maybe honestly, the bench was was just fine because you had youth and athleticism coming off the bench. Now you gave Doc Rivers older, slower players, and what does he do? He doesn't he doesn't line them up against the guys he was playing last year and say. Who's better in this matchup? He says Montrez Harrell has played longer in the NBA. He's in the game first. He says PJ Tucker's played longer in the NBA. He's playing for 40 straight minutes. I don't care what he looks like on the court. It's, I don't know. I'm starting to think, you know, I, I went down game by game in the Toronto series from last year's playoffs. Paul Reed played 10 minutes a game. He had all of the backup center minutes. Matisse Thibel, we said, we, we say what we say about his shooting, about what he does on the offensive side of the floor, how he hinders the offense. He played 15 minutes a game when he was available in that series, and we won every game that he played in. So you're trying to match youth and athleticism with youth and athleticism. Doc Rivers just went up against the Raptors last night, that same young athletic team, and said, I'm bringing George Niang and Montrez Harrell off the bench first. I'm leaving. I don't know what. Listen, I know Matisse has his struggle shooting the ball, but I didn't expect the guy to not play a second yet in, in the yeah. season. Yeah, especially when he needed a stop. <laughs> But I, I think what you're alluding to right there without really saying it is, you know, we're, essentially all of us have to feel like we are making almost an excuse for why Doc Rivers is doing certain things. Yeah, we could have kept the same benches last year. Maybe with another coach, they're getting more out of them. You know, we go and add different players. We shouldn't say, oh, well, maybe, you know, it, it, like if Paul Reed got minutes or if Matisse Thibel got minutes or if we add DeAnthony Melton this offseason and he's playing well. It doesn't matter who it is. And, and that's what me and you are both trying to say up here is like, it doesn't matter who is here. It's the same result. How come last year we had stretches of games where we're just lethargic, where Joel has to drop 40 to go out and beat the Magic on a Monday night? Like, I don't understand how these things keep happening. And that's my main takeaway from the first five games. I'm not mad that we lost the games. I'm mad that we keep losing the same exact way. It doesn't Mm -hmm. change, and it is frustrating. And if I'm Daryl Morey right now, and I go out and get these pieces, and I get James, and buy, and you know, I dump the Ben Simmons drama, and I put this con, this these contracts and this roster in a much more optimal position moving forward, and I really feel, and everybody's kind of emphasizing that this is, you know, the championship hope type of year. This is the year we get over the hump, and we come out looking like this with no energy after all the hype. I mean, I got to be furious. I have to be absolutely furious, and something needs to happen, man. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and shout out to Aaron Cabot with a five dollar super chat. I don't know if you can see that on your end. Uh, he yeah. said we have six five guard who can do. We have a six five guard who can defend and shoot and pass a little bit named Shake Milton. Did he die? Did he blank Doc's wife? Where was he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, I understand DeAnthony Melton uh, playing DeAnthony Melton. I like DeAnthony Melton, but I don't think that means Shake Milton should get zero minutes. You know, especially the beginning of the season. This is where we're supposed to be experimenting. Um, I want to go back to the Spurs game because it, it's actually funny to me that a coach that Doc Rivers compared himself to last season in a snarky little comment that he made when he asked the reporter, would you ask Greg Popovich that question? And the reporter replied and said, yes, I would. <laughs> but he put himself all on the level of Greg Popovich. And then game three, Greg Popovich with nobody, but I don't even remember the guy's names, Carrion Johnson and something Vassal. Devin Vassell, beats yeah. Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. Took a team of nobodies and whooped up on Doc Rivers' three hundred million dollar team. He's like, uh, uh, there might have been something in 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 uh, Greg Popovich's back pocket there. You know what I mean? Hell, you compare yourself to me. Let me show you something real quick. I can take guys you never heard of and beat you because I'm a better coach than you. Uh, so that was interesting to me. And also, I think we're both saying that he's not getting the best out of no matter what lineup he goes with. He's not getting the best out of these players. And you said it. How do these players come to our team and suddenly they look like they lose their talent? I think we underestimate what coaching is in the NBA uh, as far as player performance, putting players in the right positions, understanding how to get the most out of each player based on their skill sets and their, their potential. And, and uh, I can always go back to a Paul George quote, you know, Paul George in LA, he said, doc rivers was trying to use me like JJ Redick. And mm -hmm. I'm more of a, I'm more of a ball screen uh, ISO guy. So yeah. Even Paul George, incredibly talented triple threat scorer, uh, felt like he was being used wrong in Doc Rivers' offense. So yeah. we can start the point to that, too. I'm starting to think with a different mindset and a different energy, you will see different things from the same exact roster. Yeah, yeah, and it, it continues to show itself year after year. Also, shout out to Duncan with the $5 super chat. Says, you're the man, uh, RB, but he really thanks uh, to the poor Doc's fault. I'm not really sure what that means, but we're we're up here just saying the same thing man i mean it's it's frustrating to see these results to come out of a season like this with all this hope and expectation and you know i don't want to go through the whole box score last night but let me just say this all right and, and while i'm doing this let, let us know in the chat all right is doc on the hot seat should he be on the hot seat already five games into a season let us know because we're, we're going to talk about that but if i said to you dj last night without knowing any context that Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Joel Embiid would combine for 80 against the Toronto Raptors, you would most likely think we won that game. You most likely would think we won that game, but no, we lost by 10, and, we, and it really it was more than that. I mean, we got dominated, and, and in the fourth quarter, we bring it back a little bit, and then we throw up a couple deep heaves, and, and the game's over. Like Again, no <laughs> identity on either side of the ball. And uh, just one thing I wanted to say about the defensive side, because we were talking about it earlier. I I'm really tired of seeing Joel drop back and drop coverage. And really, all the Raptors did all night was just pick us apart in, in the little pick and roll and shoot 10-foot mid-ranges. That's what they did all night. And any time that that happens, another man tries to cheat over. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, they just find the wide-open shooter in the corner. I've seen that play recycled about 10 to 20 to 30 times every single game. If I can see that, if you can see that, if we can see that, 
Do you not watch film? Do you not go back and watch the game? I've seen it many, many times. And then when Joel does decide to come up, finally, they hit him with a backdoor cut and somebody gets beat, you know, they're sleepwalking. But really, I just want to say, I, I don't understand how the same things continue to happen every single game with no adjustment. Yeah, the only explanation I can come up with is they don't, he doesn't go go back and watch film with the team or anything like that. Because again, exactly what he said in the press conference, this team needs to play better. So to me, he goes in the locker room and he yells at the team in a condescending way as if he's not in charge and says, you guys need to play better. And then they come out the next game and he just hopes that they play better. Like, I don't think there's, it seems to me like there's no actual strategy or watching film and adjusting to what you saw or anything like, look here, Joel, this is where you need to be a step up on the screen. And this is when you step back and you're stepping Mm -hmm. back too soon. And you're giving wide open jumpers. I don't feel like there's any coaching involved in, and keep in mind, Joel Embiid started playing basketball when he was 18 years old. He learned the game in about three years. He's not a, he's not a master of, of basketball. He's really not. He's an incredibly naturally talented rare you know species of of human being but he still needs to be taught things when it comes to basketball clearly especially defensively because he's just the way he plays defense yeah his drop coverage on the on the screens is is insane and i've seen it for years now where all you need to do is hit l1 you know what i mean you hit l1 you call a simple ball screen and you're wide open yeah and 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 i don't want (laughs) to harp on you know I don't want to only make it seem like it's Doc because, again, it is partly the players as well. But just going back to your point about Joel, you know, another thing that that strikes me as just odd, you know, Doc Rivers doesn't tell us until game one of the season that that, that Joel Embiid essentially couldn't walk for two months. And then he now, after game four, he says, I'm going to scale back his minutes. So, first off, you had him playing 38 minutes a game for the first three games. Then you tell us that you're going to scale back his minutes. And then yesterday, you take him out with four minutes to go. I tweeted it out. I said, why is Joel Embiid coming out of the game with four minutes to go when you're down eight points? And he came out for one minute, and everybody was screaming, oh, did you see how he looked? He was gassed. So what? You, you ha- it's four minutes left in the game. Like, this is a crucial possession, and you take out the only guy that was able to score at the rim. I, I just don't understand some of these decisions sometimes. Yeah, I saw you say that, and I actually didn't remember seeing that happen. Maybe I was too busy, like, doing a 360 in my living room screaming <laughs> about, the, about the end of the game because I didn't actually notice him come out for one minute with four minutes left, and that is for one that minute. is weird. What, what would actually be the reason for that? I remember a couple games ago when Doc took somebody out on a, on a, on a specific, like, possession with 30 seconds left and put Matisse yeah. Thibault in the game for 10 seconds yeah. to try to get a steal or something, but what would actually be the reason for taking Joel and beat out for one minute with four minutes left? I, I completely, yeah, yeah I completely don't yeah. understand that either. And, and the, the plantar fasciitis thing, somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. This is, this is a classic standing in a room, you know, the teacher's standing in the room with four school children, four of them are saying four different things. You know, somebody in this room is lying. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way you fed us this all off season. Then you show up, you look completely out of shape, you look completely tired and worn down, and we're all confused. And then you come out and say, oh, yeah, by the way, he had this all offseason, so he couldn't work out. Why wouldn't you tell us that so then the fans would, you know, oh, yeah. it was, that, uh, there's conspiracies on that too, that you wanted to feed the fans this championship hopes so you could sell a bunch of season tickets before the season starts. Yeah. 
there could be business decisions behind things like that too. So I don't know, but that somebody's lying about that because that's ridiculous to come out two games later and then say it. And now you're going to scale his minutes back when yeah. the first game of the season he had a 36% usage rating. <laughs> if you knew he was out of shape and had a plantar fasciitis all offseason, would you would you give him a 40% usage rate in the first game? Nothing makes any sense. It it doesn't make sense. And shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Once again, we're we're live on Philly Take with RB running back Philly. We're simulcasting right now. Hit the like button wherever you're watching. Help us, you know, grow this and push this content around. Really, the best way we can put it is that we are very confused after five games of the year. I don't even know. Like, obviously, I'm pissed off. I'm frustrated. But I'm also very confused on how this is the product so far. Shout out to Kenny Smith with the $5 Super Chat. He says, Doc is just stuck in his ways. He'll never change. The sooner Maury realizes it and fires him, the better the team will be. And that's really the next topic I want to get into. But before I do that, I want to shout out to Joel Ramos. He came into my show last night when I was just flipping out. And, I, and he said something that really resonated with me. He said, you know, Daryl Morey went out and got a lot of quality players this offseason. But instead of bringing the dog culture to Philadelphia, they adapted to the culture that was already here. And I've been thinking about that today. And, you know, it makes so much sense. And, and that's really why these other guys come in here. They adapt to what is happening here. because. I said all off season, if you've been following my videos, I said, now that we have these dogs, we have this mentality, right? This toughness in big games, we shouldn't lie down. Now that we have PJ Tucker, who's in the locker room screaming at people or Montrez, who will scream up to the arena. Like we shouldn't look like this in big games against the Celtics bucks. And if we do, there's only one person that we can really point to, right? There's only one person. It's the coach. Yeah, only, it starts there, man. <laughs> there's only one person, and with them, with them one and four, you know, it's not just how they. It's not just losing the games. It's it's how they lost the games. Uh, they haven't really looked close against those. You know, against the Celtics and the Bucks. You know, I don't. I don't think either of those games were within, uh, within uh, reach as far as winning the game. I'm overloading something here. My camera doesn't like it. Uh, I don't think either of those games were really within reach. And to me, that you're worse than you were last year. And if you're worse than you were last year, then I'm, then I'm really confused. Yeah. Um, I just don't get it. How, how how do you look worse than you did last year? I feel like last year when we were healthy, we felt like we could compete with anybody, especially in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And the way that they look right now at one and four, the way that they've been losing these games, it doesn't look to me like they can beat anybody yeah. that's competent. It, you know, yeah. it, it looks to me like they're going to lose to Toronto tomorrow night. They're going to lose to Chicago on Saturday night, well, and they might beat the Wizards on Monday. But even that, Kyle Kuzma might drop fifty on them. Mm -hmm. and, and and I think that's where Sixers fans are, are kind of wondering right now, and that's what I've been thinking about as well. And I would love to hear your take on it. You know, when you look at the timeline, I guess obviously it's very early into a season. We know that Joel James usually take a little while to get going. Maxi has looked completely out of it. Tobias looks lost. We could go down the roster, but if you're looking at this team right now, like how far is the limit before you think the sink, the, the ship could sink? Like when, if it was up to you, when do you start really looking at this? Like, oh man, we need to make a change. Like objectively speaking, is it now? Is it after 10 more games, 20 more games, all-star break? And would they really do it? I mean, I think that's the question we're we're kind of all pondering right now. Yeah, if it was up to me, <laughs> if it was up to me, the, the <laughs> when he day one when he came in here and said, 
you know, we hired him because we thought he was going to be this old school, hard nosed coach that was going to tell yeah. Ben Simmons to shoot the ball. And day one, he said, yeah, I actually don't care if he shoots, you know, he does so many other things. Well, uh, I would have fired him before he even finished that sentence. Cause that's <laughs> the exact reason we hired you, bro. If we thought you were going to baby the kid more than Brett Brown did, we were like, what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of went, went against everything we thought he was going to be day one when he came in here. But as far as this season goes, man, again, I was joking when I said they're going to start the season one and 10 and we're going to fire doc rivers. If that ends up being on the money, I will be, I'll be absolutely <laughs> shocked. Cause I didn't think, I didn't think they, I thought they had talent at least, you know, I thought they do. You, know, you can, over, you can overcome lackluster, predictable, poor coaching with, with enough talent. This is looking like he's not getting enough out of, uh, out of the players in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, if they go say they're, say they're one and say they beat the wizards on Monday. Uh, I didn't look at the rest of the roster. Say they're three and three and eight. Yeah. Um, it get, you know, this is supposed to be a championship level team. Daryl Morey did everything he did this off season. He we're, we're win now mode, you know, uh, if it's looking like, Hey, this, this isn't looking like a championship level team, then you, then you got to do it sooner than later. I think, I really yeah. think if you start the season two and nine, three and 10, whatever, that could definitely be the end of doc rivers in Philly. But another topic, I don't know if you had this on the agenda, we owe the guy, $24 million mm-hmm. and Josh Harris is not exactly a basketball fan. Josh Harris doesn't exactly care if a team actually wins or not. Josh Harris is an investor, just like any sports owner. Their goal is to sell hope to the fans. Their goal is to have a team that's good enough that all the fans buy in so they can raise the Jersey sales, raise the ticket prices, make a profit and move on to the next season. They don't have, why would they care if they actually get a trophy out of it? So when you look at that $24 million is Josh Harris. It, it has to be a money thing for him to get fired. Josh Harris and, and the team has to look at and say, our sales are about the tank when everybody stops buying jerseys and stops coming to the arena. So is it worth getting rid of that 24 million to do this? That That's what has to balance here. He's not just going to cut 24 million because he thinks he's a bad coach. Cause I don't think he knows what a bad coach is in the first place. Yeah. Um, I'd have to agree with you. I personally believe that looking at this Sixers team, I, I was going to give it, you know, 20, 25 games. But after the first two games, I've been saying the Sixers have had an easy stretch, you know, eight games that they should realistically win about six or seven of them. Right now, I'm not confident that they can win any of them. And the next four games read as the following, the Raptors again, the Wizards, the Wizards, and the New York Knicks. Then we go and play, I think it's Phoenix and then Atlanta. Uh, even Bulls, looking at Bulls the, on Saturday, Bulls on Saturday. Oh, you're so, right. You're right. Raptors, right. Bulls, Wizards, Wizards, Raptors, Bulls, Wizards, Wizards, and the Knicks. So that's the next five games. In my personal opinion, if you come out of those five games and you lose three of them, you lose four of them, and it looks the same way. Guys don't look interested. You know, they're letting up easy shots, layups. I would not be surprised at all if we saw some type of shakeup. Not going to say exactly what it is. Maybe it's a Doc Rivers firing. I don't know. You need to get this on the right track quickly. You cannot start a season like this. And, you know, everybody's been talking about the Phillies, right? Uh, Doc Rivers is to Joe Girardi what uh, Sam Cassell is to Rob Thompson, right? Maybe you need a spark. Maybe you need someone that's just going to ignite that new fuse. Because right now, these players don't look like they believe in what Doc is preaching. They don't look like they believe in themselves. They look old, slow. They look like they're... 
they're done and, and they're they're hill they're they're on the bottom of the hill when in fact this should be where we're at the peak this is supposed to be the year and i think if you end up going two and eight two and nine if you end up losing these games i, I don't know how far you can take it before you could say oh yeah we can come back from that i don't know it's a mentality thing and we just have a lot of issues right now it's frustrating yeah, because the way that they're losing these games, that's what, you know, if there's people that think we're being pessimistic or there's still people that come in my comments, like it's only been five games, chill out. I'm like, no, it's been 40 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's the way they're losing these games. And that's why now we're looking at this schedule saying, can we even beat these teams? Because we're losing games based off a of hustle and effort. And, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, getting beat in transition, getting out rebounded. And do you randomly see that changing? Like, I I just I'm seeing so many so many bad things from players defensively that just and and like you said body language even I've even seen Tyrese Maxey do it and that starts to scare me like this like there's an infection now in the in the team that's like seeping into our young prize possession Tyrese Maxey who lets somebody cut back door and then hangs his head throws his hands up and walks off the court I'm like I don't like any of this yeah but yeah that's why we're looking at this schedule and saying that because like can you you know, do you randomly see the hustle and the effort changing? I don't see it changing. That's the problem here. And that's it's not about yeah. makes or misses or guy, this guy just needs to get hot or something. We're losing games in the nitty gritty. We're getting out hustled and outworked. Yeah. And I don't see it changing randomly. Yeah. And, and right now this team should be four and one. I'll say it if nobody else wants to, we should be four and one. We should have beat the shorthanded bucks. We obviously should have beat the Spurs and, and we should have beat the Raptors last night. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's not that we're losing the games. It's how this team looks like they did not prepare the entire offseason. And that is just not, you know, that's not responsible enough. That's not acceptable enough. That just can't happen. That, like, I, I don't know how many times we can just chalk it up and say, oh, we'll click it together. We'll get better. Yeah, I think Joel's going to get in shape. Yeah, I think Maxie's going to find it for a stretch of games. But where is the long-term development and where is us getting to our goal. You know, right now, do you think the Sixers are going to get out of the second round again? I don't, by the way we're looking, by the way we seem to be playing. And at some point, you might have to make a change. You might have to throw something in there, right? Even if you move Maxi to the bench, which I've been hearing a lot, maybe you bring Thibel in and he gets a couple steals in a couple minutes. We don't do anything different. Every game, we go into the game with the same textbook, the same plan, it's the same thing. We don't have a plan. That's, that is our plan. We don't have one. We go into the game and we say, we're going to see what happens. Doc Rivers subs his guys in with 6.30 to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, he brings Joel Embiid out with six minutes to go in the first. Like I, I can literally go step by step and explain what is going to happen in the game. And that should not, that should not happen. It should not happen. It's unacceptable, man. Yeah, it, it brought me back to you know playing Paul Millsap on Giannis Antetokounmpo for uh, eight straight minutes where he gave up 17 points um, because that doesn't make sense. And then in the Raptors series, you know, there, there's just no way you look at that roster and it, it's not necessary. It hasn't been really an offensive issue for us. Like we're not dropping 130, 140, or 150, but if we play good defense, we could be winning these games 112 to 109, 112 to 105. We could be winning these games so as poor and as awkward and as you know clunky the offense has looked a lot this season so far, I'll give that a pass as far as chemistry and working together and figuring things out. It's the defensive side of the ball. And then when you see the Toronto Raptors, 
you as a coach, you don't say my my first substitution is gonna be uh defenders to try to you know match the athleticism. Your your first substitutions are George Niang and Montrez Harrell against the Toronto Raptors. That's insane to me. Yeah. That's absolutely insane to me. I love George Niang. I think he's a great guy. He hits when he when he makes threes, he's valuable, but come on, defensively, like he stands as much of a chance as I do against Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and and OG Ananobi and Precious Achua and Chris Boucher and how many six eleven athletes do they have that can jump yeah. from the foul line? But yeah, I don't know, man. Like you, you had to go, you had to go Matisse Thibel, Paul Reed to me there. But yeah. Docs, like you said, he has it on paper. You, this is what guys, this is what guys going to play, and I'm going to do that. Well, it's it's um, funny. It's funny. The last thing we'll say about Doc, I saw a quote a little while ago, a couple hours ago, and uh, it was from Austin Krell. And he was pretty much just speaking on what Doc Rivers said last night because they kind of asked him, I guess. I didn't hear the I, – I turned it off. I couldn't hear it anymore. Um, but they asked him about Paul Reed and Montrez. Like, why are you going to Paul Reed for three minutes a game and then Trez for four minutes? Like, one guy plays one half, the other guy plays the other half, which I don't understand. And his essentially his response, paraphrasing it, he says, you know, where we're at with those guys is that we like Paul Reed defensively and we like Montrez Harrell offensively. And he said, that's where we're at. Okay, that's great. So how come yesterday Paul Reed doesn't get the minutes against an athletic team with a bunch of little wings and guards? Like, it does not make sense. Reed came in. He was he was trying to rip the ball away from guys. He was going up for jump balls. Like, mm-hmm. like he immediately made havoc in that game. And then he, mm-hmm. then he saw the bench. Like, he, these guys don't get a rhythm. Same thing with that last year with Isaiah Joe. Same thing with Shake Milton. Like, these guys come in, they get little little moments to try to show, you know, what I guess Doc is expecting, but, you know, they don't even get to stay in more than a couple games, and then they're gone. Like, it, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Doc, Doc said the same thing last season in a press conference when he said, he, he and he was real arrogant about it. Remember this when he said, I'm going to break it down for you. This is what he said. I'm going to break it down for you, just so everyone's clear, okay? When, we're, when we play small, we're going to go with Paul. When we play, when we play big, we're going to go with DeAndre. And that might have yeah. been Austin Krell right there. or, or uh yeah. Uh, I forget who it was, but he responded to him and he was like, but that's not what you've been doing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. straight up. Mm-hmm. You just told me something that that's not what you're doing, bro. You went DeAndre Jordan against small. You went, you did, you're lying to me right now. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, he's, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. And, and he still hates Paul Reed. I'll mm-hmm. never understand it. It's like the Paul Reed victory tour comments. He just doesn't want the kid to play. I don't understand it. He, he his ego is overtaking all of his decision-making. He wants yeah. to be right more than he wants to actually make the best decision for the team. It's it's yeah. crazy right now. Yeah. Shout out to Duncan with the five dollar super chat. Uh, this was from a little while ago. Not really sure what that means either, but uh, appreciate the super chat. Uh, shout out to everybody in here though. Hit that like button. We got Mister Eighty Nine with a five dollar super chat. He says, "If we developed Reed, Bassey, Springer, and Joe, we would not look so old." Doc's influence transcends beyond what's on the court, and it's sad and scary. Yeah, you know we. We've had issues drafting before, but we finally get a group of guys that we can work with and they don't see the floor. Um, and it, I guess it's just the philosophy at this point of Doc Rivers. And it, it just, you know, I mean, honestly, I the point where I really was sinking on Doc and I was pretty much out on him was when he went on the Paul Reed victory tour thing. I just thought that was inexcusable at that point in time. It is. And, it is. you know, I, I was willing to give it a shot given the fact that our roster is this good now. And, and again, I really don't care what anybody says. Like, we are better as a roster up and down from last year. 
People wanted athleticism, right? Didn't we get younger? Didn't we get DeAnthony Melton? We got Danny Green out of here. Then don't we have Paul Reed? We gave Bassie a shot. That didn't work out. But you went in there and, and you addressed certain needs, right? And, and we just look even worse. And we look even worse. And I don't, you know, at this point, I'm struggling to really come to grips with, are we going to click? Is it going to get going? Or are we just this bad? And we need to shake things up. That's where my head's at. And I really don't know the answer. Yeah. Uh, when he said that Paul Reed victory tour thing, that's like unacceptable for, for a coach to like be condescending towards a young player who just had a, a, a great performance in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I just, yeah, you, you know, like why would you be angry that the player that everyone's been telling you to play had a good game? You should be like, oh, you know, you guys were right. But he won't do that. He, he it's that that's so like on paper narcissistic. That's so to a T narcissistic. You he's so angry that you're wrong that you don't even want to admit that this player had a good game and should should continue to play. And that was yeah. last year. And yeah. here we are again. And I think the guy's delusional, man. I really do. I think he's stuck in his own haze. I think he's stuck he's not hearing mm -hmm. or seeing anything. And he doesn't believe anyone else knows what they're doing or what they're talking about. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster, and you're and you're seeing it right now. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's this is just us. It's almost a therapeutic way of just like trying to get through these games. I mean, we have a long season to go. Like we haven't even started yet, essentially, and and you know we we're already feeling this way. It's not a good thing to have. But I want to ask you about you know Joel Embiid, James Harden. You know, there's a lot of talk about these guys, Maxi not getting incorporated. You know, how do you feel about the offense? Like, it, it, how much blame does Joel have so far for the way, I guess, maybe he's not in shape or the way he, you know, isn't attacking? I can't stand seeing him on the perimeter for half the game. I don't know why we continue to do that. And I feel like he's trying to channel that last year's MVP energy. But when you have James Harden, who needs a certain amount of touches, when you need Maxi. To have a certain amount of touches, you know, you got to dominate, man. And he's had mismatches so far, and I don't feel like he's taken a, you know, full advantage of them. I think surprisingly in the Toronto game, I saw more offensive creativity and strategy, at least in the first half of the game that I've seen in the in the in the other uh, three games. I think you know the first game of the season was the same old, same old. Get Joel in the block, force him the ball, wait for the wait for the defense to double team him. Still try to get it to him, and then hopefully he can pass out of a double team. So I think him playing on the perimeter is more them trying to pick up the pace. And they're they're dead. They were dead last in the NBA in pace through the first three games of the season. So I guess you're trying to have quicker plays, run the ball more from the top with with uh, Harden off of screens. Uh, I saw a lot of plays for Joel where Harden comes around a screen at the top, and Joel's moving on the block instead of just him backing a man down. So. I don't know. I think they're trying to get creative and play the game quicker. Uh, but yeah, I would still like to see Joel and me, you know, in the paint more and, and less on the perimeter, especially in the fourth quarter. There was a play last night. Was it last night? It feels like a long time ago already. I've been so mad about this team, but um, last night, yeah, the last Raptors night, game, last night, uh, there was a play in the fourth quarter where James dribbles over and like hands the ball to Joel, like five feet outside the three point line. And then Joel turns and looks at Maxi. And I'm like, this is a designed play with our center five feet away from the three point mm -hmm. line, almost a half court. Why is he out there? Why is that a play that we're running? What is this? That's, yeah. that's 
that's was some of the most that, that's some of the things I was ranting about Brett Brown for 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 so long that he was doing all these you know JJ Reddick Joel Embiid dribble handoffs ten feet outside the three point line and then when you got to the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors that equals a turnover almost every single time and that that happened last night I was like why is Joel out there handling the ball oh look double team turnover yeah. it's like predictable at this point yeah so so in that case you know and in my personal opinion I don't know if you agree or not but. I feel like we should be running more pick and rolls, not only with Harden and Embiid, but also Maxi and Embiid. I feel like we have different combinations, yeah. different things we can do. I really don't know what Maxi's role is, which is why I'm almost starting to believe with the take that we need to move him to the second unit to maximize him because he's kind of just standing out there on the wing by himself. You know, he gets the ball sometimes. He tries to make a little move of it, but he's not comfortable. You could see he's not comfortable. Our starters are not comfortable with each other. Tobias is trying to bind to that shooter's role. He doesn't look comfortable. The only one that really looks comfortable to me is, is James, really. And he's been attacking. I've actually really liked his play so far. Um, you know, I, I think he's been efficient for the most part. There are things I don't like, but I feel like he can at least beat guys off the dribble now. And I feel like this was our biggest question going into the year. What would he look like? And if you told me he was going to be playing like this and at least look to be in shape like this, I thought our offense would be taken to another level. But in fact, maybe we have an issue of we have too many ball handlers. Maybe we don't have, you know, enough complementary pieces around them. What do you think about that? I just think there's just not enough action happening on, on the floor in the half court. There's just not enough action. I think, honestly, and it's, and it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, or, or it could if we keep losing, but I think a different coach would get so much more out of Tyrese Maxson than what you're seeing right now. I saw one play last night that I liked, and then I didn't see it again the rest of the game, where I, I James dribbles over to Maxi, does like a dribble handoff screen, and then, and then Joel's right behind James, setting a, a second screen right behind him. So Maxi's mm-hmm. coming off the dribble handoff screen and another screen and getting downhill. If you get Maxi's defenders that have to switch twice as he's running toward the basket, you're gonna it's gonna be a positive result every single time. Uh, and and I didn't see it again the rest of the game. So I don't think yeah. you're seeing creative, specific plays run for Tyrese Maxey. If you watch other NBA offenses, which I'm sure you do when you have time, you see all kinds of stuff happening. Watch the Memphis Grizzlies. You see all kinds of stuff happening for, for, for uh, what's his name, Bain or, or, or Ja or whoever else. Like There's so many guys moving and getting the ball and catching the ball off screens and rotating and kicking it back out. There's no movement in this offense at all. It's wild. It's, and that's why I, you see Maxi just standing out there. It looks like he has nothing to do because he literally has nothing to do. He's like a, it's like an employee that was hired and wasn't given a job description. Like here, 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 fix the company. I don't know. Go, go make me more money. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Do you want me to, I don't know. Just go, go work. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> yeah. And he's 22 years old. Like help him out a little bit, man. He has incredible intangibles. You need somebody that's going to take advantage of it. And it's, it's not being take advantage, taken advantage of right now. But I agree with yeah. your take on James Harden, man. I think he's been great so far. Last night, you know, it's the Toronto Raptors. They did a lot of double teaming, a lot of flashing around screens, a lot of guys that, that are big and fast that can try to take the ball out of his hands. I thought by the fourth quarter he was frustrated and he kind of quit, which pissed me off, especially that last play where, you know, he gets Van Vliet on a switch and doesn't want to take him one-on-one. So I saw bad body language from James in the fourth quarter yesterday. But over for the most part, yeah. Compared to last season, James has been playing great. He's he's a, a walking thirty point triple double every night. We need more movement, more creativity all around. Yeah. Outside of that, and yeah, 
James and Joel pick and rolls, Joel and Maxi pick and rolls. Um, I guess the big question is if you were going to change something with this lineup, what would you change? Because at the, you know, we could talk about Maxi, Harden, and and Joel. And then it's like, what does Tobias Harris really do? Is he mm-hmm. just supposed to stand there in the corner and catch and shoot threes? Do him and PJ Tucker have the same exact job description on the floor at the same time? Yeah. I guess what would you change? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, if I had to think, and I, and uh, you know, you're asking me to change something, I would either maybe expend, ma- experiment Maxi with the second unit, maybe Tobias to the second unit, right? Try to bring in another shooter that can move a little better and and grab boards because. You know, some games Tobias is just, you know, he there again, there's not enough touches to go around. There wasn't really last year. And now that you have Maxi who needs more touches because he is now taking another step, it's like Tobias just has to be a spot up shooter, but he's not consistent enough to do it. One guy that I think would fit if he could actually hit more shots is Daniel House. And that brings up another point as to why why are we playing him so much? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Like, you know, we, we just find these guys and we just we keep them going. I think you need another complimentary piece. And right now, P.J. Tucker, he he doesn't look nearly the same either. Like, I don't know. He he gets, what, a couple shots a game? It's like, like you said, we, we don't have structure. We're not putting these guys together. They don't look complimentary. They don't look like they fit. And, uh, and it's very tough. But at the same time, you know, like I said, Harden, Maxi, and Bede went for 80 last night. That's all we need. That's all we need. And, that is all, yeah. That's yeah, I mean, we'll get to the... Game. I mean, honestly, the main issue, in my opinion, is the defensive side of the ball, which I don't even know how to fix at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's... uh, it, it has been nothing short of disgraceful. That That's the best way I can put it. It has been lazy and just without effort, and I just never thought I would see this team playing this way. I mean, they're... They're letting balls go right by them. They're not even trying. Joel doesn't even contest guys at the rim. And then they just kind of walk with their shoulders down back to the bench during the timeout. And I don't see the fire. I guess that's the best way I could put it. I don't see the fire with this team that I thought I'd see. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody sees the fire at all. There's no fire at all so far. Uh, I, I'm going to go look at like how many minutes Daniel House has played on other teams in the past two or three seasons. because. I got to be honest, after his Houston days, I didn't even know Daniel House was in the NBA. I don't know who he played for. I have the no Jazz. idea. And then he shows up here. Then he shows up here and he gets 35 minutes a game off the bench, not 35, but you know what I'm saying? Like it seems like way too much. I don't think anybody was ranting and raving when we signed Daniel House. I don't think anybody was like, "Oh my god, look, game changer. Look, sixth man of the year candidate. Look, something like he's not Jordan Clarkson for crying out loud. He's just Daniel House. He's just yeah. a three-point shooter." Who shoots forty percent for his career, uh, and and he was in the spotlight when James Harden was dropping sixty point triple doubles in Houston. He was catching the ball and shooting it from the corner. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah, that's a random player for Doc Rivers to just be like, all right, Daniel House is is twenty minutes off the bench. Uh, well, I agree with that. I don't know what I would change. I I think uh, you know you need more rebounding. I know with Joel playing the style of play that he plays, uh, I think your four should probably be more of an athletic hustle rebounder type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Joel, especially how he's playing now with his you know coming back from the plantar fasciitis that nobody knew about mm-hmm. uh, and not contesting anybody at the rim. You add Tobias Harris who is allergic to hustling and rebounding not he's been he's been picking it up you know the end of last season he's trying it's just not in his dna nobody looks at tobias harris and says that's a 
that's a dog uh, that's going to out-rebound you or, or dive on the floor or anything like mm-hmm. that. And, and P.J. Tucker, I know he is the hustle guy, but he's six foot five. Who can even rebound in the starting lineup, real, realistically? Who's even the, the, the hustle rebounder, like athletic guy, really in the starting lineup? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew we beat the Pacers. I was joking when I put the sunglasses on and said we're in the W, we're in the win column. But I knew when we played the Raptors, everything was going to come back full circle because that's a team that's going to test your athleticism. And we don't look like we have any. De- defensively, we don't yeah. have any hustle and athleticism. Right yeah. Now. And shout out to John Gabana in the chat. He had a great comment talking about Matisse Thibel saying, you know, he was reported to have shocked everyone before the year. You remember all the talk, the hype? All the hype in the in the training camp week. Oh man, Matisse Thybul was the hardest worker this off season. He was in the gym the most. So those words came directly from Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey at Media Day. Yet he hasn't played. He hasn't played. He played all five minutes in five games. I have they have they asked Doc Rivers in a press conference yet? Why aren't you playing Matisse Thybul? I I don't know. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. But they need I, to put me in the press room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. Like, how do you have these players and they don't, they don't even see the floor, you know, especially with Matisse Thibel, the way you talked him up. It, to me, it almost feels like a trade scenario. Like they're trying to build his value up, but then again, you don't put him on the floor. So how's he supposed <laughs> to build his value up even more? You're telling me Matisse Thibel had all off season again to work on his jump shot. And he's still this bad where he cannot, even hold a defense accountable. So that's what one off season, two off seasons, three off seasons. When do we look in the mirror at the, at the player development staff? When, when do we look at these guys? Like why, why is he not getting better? That's the only thing you need to work on. And now we're in another season and, and it's what's the same result. I mean, that's unacceptable for a team that wants to build from within and win a championship. I don't get it, man. Yeah, Matisse had a preseason game where he shot three for five from three. The first the, the first one was an air ball. second one barely touched the rim, but then he switched three in a row. So it still looked totally random and inconsistent. You know, you never know. When he shoots it, it might be an air ball. It might make it. But he still was three for five at the end of the game. Why would you not try to build off that at the beginning of the season, build, get his confidence up? you know, experimented the first 10 games of the season and try to see if he can be a part of the rotation. How do you start the season then and just say, nah, you know what, Matisse, three for five in a preseason game, you look like you might have some potential in that in that three-point shot. We're not going to play you at all, actually, this season. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know how, uh, you know, Doc hasn't been berated more in these press conferences. What what did he do to you? What did Shane Milton do to you? Um, uh, Man, I, w- I wish there was more we could say, but it just nothing really makes sense right now. I feel like we've been saying the same things for the first five <laughs> this games. This play on the screen is unbelievable. Yeah. We yeah. I mean, this is, this is the epitome of the season so far, in my opinion. Like, I don't even want to look at all the defensive miscues and the lack of communication and, and all that stuff. I mean, we just, we're not clicking. Player it's, development, Um, you know, at what point does Daryl Morey get upset? Is Daryl Morey sitting back there smiling right now? Like, you drafted, you drafted Paul Reed. He's not getting on the floor. You drafted Isaiah Joe. He's gone. You drafted Charles Bassey. He's gone. You drafted Jaden Springer. He's not developing. Yeah. What, what player has this organization developed? What young player 
And and Tyrese Maxey was supposed to be a top 10 pick. He dropped in the draft because he was shot 29% from three at Kentucky. But Tyrese Maxey was a stud in college. He had all the potential in the world. I don't really think that counts as a player that was like, you know, what what like late first, second round player has this team developed? What player came out of the draft and looked at, at, yeah. a, at, a, at a C NBA level and got raised to a B by this organization? <laughs> I don't know any. You know, Cork Moss was a first round pick. Good Lord. Uh, Isaiah Joe's gone. Charles Bassey's gone. And by the way, Dan Burke took over for four games last season. You got 12 block, 12, 12 rebounds and five blocks in a game from Charles Bassey, who's no longer on the team. You got 18 points from Isaiah Joe in a game and 11 points the next night off the bench. That's 29 points in two nights from Isaiah Joe off the bench in NBA games. He's not on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, when Dan Burke came in last year, the Sixers did not lose a game, by the way. I mean, their energy was off the charts. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take, but it is, it is very, very frustrating. You have all these Philly teams, like the environment right now in Philadelphia is just, you know, out of the roof. It's, it's out of the gym right now. Like with all these teams, right? The Eagles, the Phillies, like union, everybody and the Sixers look like they've regressed. I, I can't take it. I can't take it, man. Um, I feel like we've been saying the same thing for an hour. I feel like we've been saying the same <laughs> thing for five games. I feel like we've been saying the same thing since the first tip off of the season. And we have because nothing changes. Yeah, like like sometimes I feel like, or at least in prior seasons, I'm like, okay, this will click. This will get going. It'll take some time. I don't know if I feel that way right now, and and that's my biggest concern. Um, so maybe you got to shake something up. Maybe something needs to happen. Or are we going to go throughout this entire season this way? Are we going to be satisfied with maybe the same result? I don't think we can. I don't think no, people you... realize. This is kind of one of the last things I want to make in terms of a point. I don't think people realize how close we're getting to this window closing. Like, this could be one of the last years where we have hopefully all of it put together. All the talent, the contracts are right. And we go out and try to chime it in, man. Like James Harden could honestly, you know, opt out after the season if he really wants to and, and go somewhere else. Like, it's not like we have all the time in the world. We wasted seasons because of people that were here in the past. We wasted seasons mm-hmm. of Joel's prime. And he's younger than, you know, what we would call a typical prime. But maybe this is his prime. Maybe his prime ends at 30, 31. And I, I don't think people realize how close we are to potentially being in the next phase. So what I would say is, you know, you got to get it. However you do it, you have to get it on track this season. You have to get it on back on, on the right road, you know, and you have to you have to get over the hump this year. You have to. And if you don't, major changes should be in store. Yeah. Uh, and just Doc Rivers just, man, you know, you can look at players in L.A. Terrence Mann is an example I always bring up. His mom was interviewed in an article. His, his you got you had players, parents calling you out. His mom was interviewed in an article saying Doc Rivers is not good for my son. And Doc left L.A. and Terrence Mann averaged ten points per game off the bench under Tyron Lue. So it's just anti young player thing. His he just it, it's you're not he's not getting the most out of out of anybody. And you know we we keep looking at other teams or the free agent market or whatever. We need more. We need more. We need more. We need to add this. We need to add this. We add this. 
mm-hmm. what point do we realize we're not finding anything within our own organization like other teams are doing? Yeah, we're not. We're not. And at that point, it's, you know, you got to go one by one. I mean, we've gotten rid of certain players. We gotta, we've gotten rid of personnel. We got rid of our last GM. I mean, at some point, it, you know, you might have to shake things up. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Shout out to King of the Valley with the $2 Super Chats. As told y'all, Aiden surpassed Embiid. Um, He's made, he made three different accounts now to, to comment on my YouTube channel. I literally blocked him twice. And he's, he keeps spending money to, to make comments. But, well, shout um, out to him. Shout out to it, him. It, King of the Valley, like, if you're older than 12 years old, do, do you really think DeAndre Ayton is better than Joel Embiid? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. But with that being said, man, once again, shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit the like button. It was a, it was a struggle even trying to get this show on the road. But we did. The duo back. We're talking, we're breaking it down. A lot of this show, I get it, might have felt just like a therapy session or a rant. Honestly, that's what it is. I mean, if you want us to be completely honest, it's kind of hard to go game by game and break it all down. Sometimes you just have to take a step back from the game action, the everyday game action, and just kind of talk about what you're seeing. Um, And I feel like we cover, you know, every single game. So sometimes we're sucked in that mode of just, you know, analyzing every game, analyzing every game. But we had to take a little step back and just and just kind of have a conversation about what we are seeing because it is not pretty. You know, it's it's awful. It's awful. I don't feel good right now as a Sixers fan. So as yeah. someone yeah. as you know, us up here and all of you out there tuning in and supporting this team every day and buying merchandise and going to games and, and we want to go to games. We want to have fun. We have a want to have a great time, watch a great team. You know, you, you got to hold them accountable as well. We all love this team. We want to see them perform well. But right now, they are very, very, very much underperforming. They've been highly disappointing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the talent that is there, it, it, it does not feel like we have a talented team right now. It doesn't. And You and, know, and, and when the arena boos their own players, and I guess other fan bases don't understand it or something like that, they don't... It, this city really holds you to a standard because it's a blue collar town. And what that means is people work hard for every dollar that they have. And they, they want to come and support a hundred million dollar NBA player. But if the hundred million dollar NBA player is jogging up and down the floor, letting guys cut back door, hanging his head, not really trying, they're offended by that. Are you serious? I got to go to work. I got to go to work. Yeah. I got to go answer to a boss for 40 hours a week who I don't want to talk to. And then I spend that money to come here and watch a $100 million basketball player, and you give that kind of effort. So that's why it comes out that way. And, you know, you'll never hear Philly fans boo somebody just for missing shots. You'll never hear, well, Robert Covington a little bit when he was on some stretches of going like 0 for 11. But for the most part, it's it's an effort thing. When they start to see lack of effort, they absolutely hate it, and they are going to let you know they don't care if you're a five-time All-Star. They don't care if you're Allen Iverson in his prime. They're going to let you have it. And uh, Bryce Harper, I always bring up Bryce Harper because he just seems like an athlete that really, really, really gets it. He loves the fact yep. that when he stinks it up, they boo him. Yep. He loves he loves the standard that Philly fans hold their athletes to. And that's a guy, and he might be he might be one of the rarest athletes ever, but that's a guy when, as as the pressure builds, he actually mm-hmm. continues to get better. 
Yeah. It would be nice to have more of those athletes here. We'll see. I wanted to end it on a good note. Go Phillies. Bryce Harper's a goat, you know. Go Phillies, man. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we hey, I'm I'm very excited for that to start tomorrow. Hopefully once you know, the Phillies end and, and, you know, the Eagles continue to go. Hopefully the Sixers hangover or whatever it is, you know, gets better. Hopefully it gets better because we have a lot of basketball to watch. Um, yeah, man, appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on to collab. As always, you know, we're going to keep pumping the content. And, and that's the beauty of this, man. It, it's not like, you know, we, we talk about the team once every two weeks. No, we're here every day, win or lose, you know, good or bad, up or down. Right, new coach, new players, this, that. Yeah, you know, we're here. We're covering it all, and we we see it step by step. So that's where we'll leave it tonight. Uh, Sixers play the Raptors tomorrow. What what are we expecting from that? Are, are we going to bounce back and get a W? Doc Rivers said last night, and I quote: "He said they got us on their revenge. You know, now it's our turn to come out. Now it's our turn to show the energy. Well, are we on the road in in a hostile environment? Are we going <laughs> to come out?" And go give them an ass whooping. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I just don't know how confident I am in that happening. We need to win three of the next four games. We need unless, to win three of the next four. Unless Doc Rivers plans on switching up his rotations and trying to match athleticism with athleticism, unless you see a lot more Paul Reed and Matisse Thibel try to balance out getting out rebounded, getting out hustled, getting out jumped, getting out ran. I don't see it changing, and I don't see Doc Rivers changing. I think he's going to come right out here. He's going to march out to see. He's not going to change the starting lineup. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think he's going to change the first two or three guys off the bench. are going to be George Niang, Montrez Harrell, and Daniel House. <laughs> and I think you're going to see the same thing. And so, then he's going to sit up here and act like it's everyone else's fault, and he's going to say, oh, they just need to play better, man. If they could just play better, you know? Like, that's like... yeah. I mean, that's like anybody, anybody can say that. <laughs> anybody can say that. If I, you know, if I put a, a six-year-old against a nine-year-old and the nine-year-old schools him and I'm just sitting here, well, you need to play better. You need to play better. Anybody can say that. That doesn't even mean anything. So essentially DJ Eastwood just sat up here and, and predicted the entire game plan and, and it'll probably 95% come <laughs> true. And, and we're just, we're just guys watching the team. So you already know Nick Nurse knows what what's on the radar. So it is, uh. If they lose to Toronto and Chicago, does he get fired before Monday? If they look the same way, if they come out with no energy, lethargic, not even contesting shots, putting their hands up, I, I think a, a change will come sooner than later. I think it will come sooner than later. I, I don't think we can continue playing like this and, and just let everything be all you know sunshine and rainbows. I can't wait to see that notification on ESPN or, or wherever, on Stams on Twitter. Doc Rivers and because it, it won't be his his ego won't allow them that you know they're going to agree. Doc, it's going to be this. Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers have agreed to part ways. That's what it's going to say. It's not going to say fired. It's going to or it's going to or it's even going to make him look better. It's going to say Doc Rivers steps down as head coach of the Philadelphia 76. It's going to have to be to to make him look good some way. But I'm ready for that to happen. I just am. I'm 100 percent there. I don't see it getting any better. Well, as always, we will continue to uh, to break it all down, and if something does go down, you know we'll be first on it to cover it. Uh, Phoenix with the $2 Super Chat. Uh, he says, is there a scenario you would consider trading Tyrese Maxey? I would say no. No way. I don't. Uh, no, I, you, can't, you can't now because, like you just said, this window is closing. You need something after this window is closed. If, if, yeah. James, if James, even if James signs another two years or something, 
and Joel plays until he's, I don't know, he's in his prime until he's 32 or whatever, even if it yeah. takes five, six years after that, you still have Tyrese Maxey at 27, mm-hmm. 28 years old entering his prime. So no, you have to keep Tyrese Maxey. Agreed. And and fitness information with the $2 super chat says Doc Rivers is a black Brett Brown. Well, I got to give Brett credit because Brett is the only coach to ever challenge Ben Simmons. And I never thought I'd be saying that at this point in time. You know, Steve Nash lets him do, you know, what he wants. I mean, I, we were still right about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, even if the Sixers looked as bad, easy. you know, we were that still. Easy money. Yeah, I mean, everybody's sending me a video of Ben Airball on a two-foot layup. I mean, it, it never, it doesn't change. It doesn't the Brooklyn, change. The Brooklyn Nets were easy money. No defense, no depth. They get, they traded away all their depth for James Harden, who ended up here, and then they had to panic move and sign, you know, get Ben Simmons in a trade, and he's not bringing anything to your team right now. And yeah. somebody posted a a, a a a reel of like his rookie highlights, and it's actually blowing my mind how bad he is right now, how much he's regressed. You know, he looks mm-hmm. he looks bigger, slower. He looks. I mean, he's completely avoiding the rim. Yeah. It's really sad. It's really sad. I just, and I retweeted it and I said, POV, when you get mega rich and stop caring about anything. As soon as he got $150 million on, and his name was on the dotted line, he didn't touch a basketball. It's unreal. I, I, I can't believe we're, we're seeing, like, again, I'm not afraid of the Nets, but, you know, the way that he's playing right now, I can't believe it hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> but, it, but then again, people keep telling him he's doing the right thing. You know, Steve Nash said, we don't care if you ever shoot a, a shot. So I mean, <laughs> it's kind of where oh, it's at. He had he had four points and two assists at halftime, and uh, Jamal Crawford on the NBA TV broadcast said at halftime, "I like what I'm seeing so far," you know. And I was like, "Really? Let me go." I had to go check this. Day. Four points and two assists at halftime. It's crazy. Everybody is continuing to baby this dude, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna it's just gonna keep going down. Except except the best thing that could have possibly happened in his career is getting on a team with maniacs like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant because. For five years, nobody on the Philadelphia 76ers said anything to him. Four games in, Kyrie screamed out loud yesterday, Ben, shoot it! Yep, yep. And All it, on TV, you could hear him say it. He was so pissed off that he passed him the ball and he was in front of the rim and turned around. Yeah, and he also went to a team with expectations. So, you know, the spotlight's on. It's not like he went out to Sacramento where they don't care what happens, you know? So, just crazy, yeah, as a, man. As a, as, a, as, a, as a person, like, you know, I don't wish demise on anybody uh, i wanted ben simmons up out of here as 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 bad as i've wanted anything in the world but i don't hate somebody as a human being i would be happy if he would suddenly turn his game around get it back and become what he was supposed to become i need people to know that i don't wish bad on anybody this is sad what you're seeing from him right now mm-hmm. yeah i agree Shout out to everybody in the chat, though. We appreciate everyone hanging out. Once again, simulcasting Philly Take with RB, running back Philly, number two uh, top shows, man. Just breaking down the Sixers. We're talking about it all the time. And win, lose, Doc Rivers here or not, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Maxie or not, we will continue to break it down. Sixers need to get a couple wins here. If they get a couple wins and they look convincing, I'll feel better. But we will just have to wait and see. I'm, it's actually kind of good that the Phillies are on in the World Series, so that can hopefully overshadow, and hopefully the Sixers can just pick up a couple wins under the radar and you know get back yeah, into I'm, the mix a little bit. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna save those Sixers games for the next morning. I'm not I'm not ruining watching the World Series <laughs> by watching the Toronto Raptors and the Sixers live. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that ain't happening. 
Exactly. <laughs> anyway, man, go Phillies. At least Philly has a team in the championship, man. Uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you all for coming through. Any, anything else, DJ? Any last words? Uh, you said, you know, we need if they win a couple games, you'll change your tune. I don't, I don't even think I want them to at this point. I would like for them to keep losing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I can't root against my team, but I understand your frustration. I get your frustration, man. Things need to change. We'll catch you all in the next one, man. Have a great night, everybody. Peace.